we're really going to make progress on climate change, we need substantial disruptive technologies, and we need them to replace existing greenhouse gas emitting technologies. Businesses around the world are publicly and boldly addressing climate change. At the World Economic Forum in Davos, climate change dominated the agenda. In a very public letter, Larry Fink, CEO of private equity giant BlackRock, vowed to make environmental sustainability central to the company's investment decisions. And the Business Roundtable, representing nearly 200 top CEOs, redefined the very purpose of the corporation, making a commitment to serve all stakeholders, not only stockholders. So clearly, something's going on. But when it comes to global climate change, is it too little, too late? Professor Mike Lennox from the University of Virginia Darden School of Business has spent years studying the potential for business to solve climate change. He believes that real solutions to climate change will come from radical business innovation and technological disruption. I'm Sean Carr. Welcome to Ideas to Action. Hi, Mike. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Wonderful to be here. So, do you perceive a change in attitude among businesses, business leaders in general, toward climate-related issues? I think most definitely. We've, we've seen, I think, an evolution in thinking across a number of dimensions. One of them is just recognizing the risks that climate change pose to businesses today and that those risks are increasing. Uh, the second is, I think, a narrative around the importance of business to be leaders in addressing big issues like climate change. And I think part of that is this idea that they're responsible to their multiple share, share, uh, stakeholders here, excuse me, uh, not just their, their shareholders. And I think that's motivating them to take more aggressive stance uh, towards climate change than maybe they have in the past. For business, business leaders, to truly move the needle on climate, climate-related issues, what must be true in your view? So if we take the Paris Accord uh, seriously to try to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, uh, by all estimates, we will probably need to decarbonize the global economy by 2050. And you just think about that for a second. That is a tall order. This means, you know, not a marginal increase uh, in, in uh, the performance of companies. This is 100% electric vehicles. This is 100% renewable energy, or at least zero carbon emitting sources of, of energy. So what we're talking about here is broad transformation. We're talking about whole large industry segments transforming to more sustainable technology. Um, so this is, this is quite an endeavor that involves not just the business community, but really society at large. So what does it take to get there? How do we reach that level of radical innovation, technological disruption? You know, the good news is we know quite a bit about how markets shift, how technologies evolve. Uh, I would argue that the idea of disruption is, is endemic to the functioning of markets. It's what makes markets so uh, dynamic and powerful in, in creating value for, for humankind. And as a result of that, we, we know how this playbook will likely play out, right? One thing we need to be looking for, entrepreneurial entry, new companies coming in, offering alternative technologies that is more sustainable. Uh, we will likely see great competition ensue as these types of transitions begin to take place. If a technology is going to be fruitful, ultimately it has to find value in the marketplace, uh, maybe cost coming down or value being created in, in other ways. And so 
when we think about the issue, we really should be honing our lens in how do we accelerate and make sure these transformations, these disruptions, if you will, take place and take place in many cases quickly. Can you put this in some kind of historical perspective? Like, where might we have seen this before? Yeah, one of my favorite examples is the New England whaling industry. So a, a very large and successful industry in the United States, uh, centered in Nantucket and the New England area. Uh, and it really took about a decade for that industry to, to collapse. Now, why did it collapse? Well, there was an alternative called kerosene. First, we had the discovery of oil in Western Pennsylvania, and then an invention that took oil and converted it into kerosene. And so that technological shift, that new opportunity, caused a transition in a relatively quick amount of time. And we can think of many modern examples of this, you know, digital imaging replacing Kodak and film, uh, the iPhone and smartphones replacing many of the established players in cellular phones. So let's talk about some industries today. I know you've looked at quite a few already uh, in some depth, which seem poised to either have already begun the transformation to a more climate-friendly uh, environment uh, and approach, which have not, what does the, and what does the future hold? I think the one I'm probably most optimistic on right now is transportation and the potential of electrification, uh, especially battery-powered electric vehicles like we're seeing from Tesla and any number of manufacturers now. Uh, the growth in the number of uh, cars on the road, the growth in the number of companies offering these cars uh, is growing exponentially. Uh, the cost curves for these cars, especially the batteries themselves, is coming down to a point where I don't think it is unreasonable that in the next five, 10 years that uh, electric vehicles will be cheaper uh, and better than internal combustion engines. And then once that occurs, I think the, the, the switch will happen very quickly. Now, as many would point out, the mere electrification of vehicles doesn't necessarily lower the carbon footprint, uh, depending on how you're generating electricity for those cars. So the next sector I would talk about is uh, electrical generation and renewable energy. Uh, I also have some hope in that sector as well. Again, the cost curves for things like solar uh, have been such that right now there are many applications in uh, the United States and around the world where solar is actually the low cost alternative. Uh, and again, electric utilities will naturally gravitate towards it when it is the low cost alternative. Um, I think those trends will continue. However, there's some, there's some additional challenges with electrical generation. Uh, for example, uh, if the grid has um, greater than, let's say, 40% or so of renewable energy, you start to have to worry about intermittency. The sun doesn't always shine, the wind doesn't always blow. Now there are solutions, uh, use of batteries, utility grade batteries. There's also this great promise of distributed energy uh, in solar and wind. You know, I always joke, I'm never gonna have a coal fire power plant in my backyard, but I might have solar panels on my roof. So this vision of having a highly distributed set of generators of electricity tied together with a smart grid that kind of trade electrons holds a lot of promise for kind of getting us to that clean energy future. Other industries that uh, are worth our paying attention to? Yeah, absolutely. So if we look at global greenhouse gas emissions, transportation is actually smaller than probably most people realize. It's only about 20% or so. Um, electrification is a major one, but it's about 25% electrical generation. Uh, a couple other big sectors we need to keep our eye on. One is what we might call industrials, and so large kind of manufacturing uh, facilities. In particular, there are four that we need to be paying attention to. Steel, cement, 
lime, and petrochemicals. Those four alone make up about 70% of industrial emissions, which again are about a quarter of all emissions there. These are particularly challenging um, uh, technologies and industries for us. The one that I probably worry most about is agriculture. So agricultural emissions are about 25% of global emissions. What makes agriculture in my mind so particularly vexing is we literally have millions and millions of farms around the world, millions and millions of farmers. And so the idea of how do you regulate an industry like that to try to address this issue very, very daunting. Alternatively, one could imagine kind of a grand awakening where we change our consumption habits. Let's say, you know, stop consuming beef. But again, I'm, I'm skeptical of how such a grand awakening would occur to change the behaviors of, again, billions of people who uh, consume meat. Now, I know you're bullish on the potential for technology, truly disruptive technologies to make a difference. Um, and you've talked about entrepreneurial entry as being a factor in this transformation. But let's go back to the big companies. What happens with them? Take, for example, the fossil fuel industry. I find it hard to see what capabilities they have that translate to, let's say, solar and wind production. It's just radically different technology, radically different even markets that you're selling to. What typically happens in those worlds? Those companies go out of business. Uh, and I think we just have to accept that there's going to be transitions here and there will be companies that go you know, out of business. But to put it into context, um, there's about 50,000 jobs in coal right now in the United States. When Blockbuster Video went under, we lost about 250,000 jobs just from Blockbuster Video transitioning to Netflix and the like. Um, again, localized disruptions for those communities that lose jobs, absolutely. But that is a part of what an economy, a healthy economy does. It, it creates new technologies, it creates new jobs, and sometimes those old jobs go away. You're an educator. Part of your, uh, part of your role is to help develop another generation of leaders. What should they be thinking about? I really think you need to be thinking about transformation. Um, nothing wrong with, you know, your recycling pro program and all the wonderful things that a lot of companies have done in many cases for many, many years. But again, if we're really going to make progress on climate change, we need substantial disruptive technologies and we need them to replace existing greenhouse gas emitting technologies. One of the great challenges I find in this space and when I think about innovation is what we know about innovation is it, it doesn't work very well when directed, right? When you say like, this is the future and we need to innovate this. You need to create space for experimentation. You need to create space for failure. There are gonna be paths we go down that are successful, hopefully, but there'll be paths we go down that are failures as well. So from a broader kind of societal perspective, we need to kind of direct innovative activity towards sustainable technologies, but we don't wanna constrain the search so much that we fail to you know, find those technologies. And so that leads me to needing more experimentation. We need more people out there trying new and different things and recognize you know, most entrepreneurs fail, most technologies fail, but the experimentation what's is important because that's how we're gonna move things forward. So you've suggested uh, that business may have the best set of tools to actually solve climate change. Maybe in our lifetimes, do you think business leaders and others, other stakeholders, have the collective will to muster towards that challenge. I wouldn't frame it as much as kind of the heroic business person saving the environment because of their, you know, goodwill they're trying to create. 
companies have a huge opportunity here to be a driver of change and, and, and an agent of change here. Um, and markets, when directed towards uh, certain outcomes, certain technologies can you know, make change happen quickly. And I think that's why I think we can't ignore markets. We cannot ignore business when we think about the changes that are needed. Well, thank you, Mike. This has been great. I really appreciated talking to you. I'm Sean Carr. And that's it for today's episode of Ideas to Action. Professor Mike Lennox is Senior Associate Dean and Chief Strategy Officer at the University of Virginia's Darden School of Business. His research explores how radical technology shifts can empower business to lead the fight against climate change. His latest book is Can Business Save the Earth? Innovating Our Way to Sustainability. Join us next time for more research, analysis, and commentary from the University of Virginia Darden School of Business. You can subscribe to Ideas to Action on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen.darden.virginia.edu. To read more expert insights on this topic and more, visit ideas.darden.virginia.edu. 